Father, thank you for the opportunity of being part of what you're doing. Lord, thank you for being able to be instruments you use to be a blessing to other people. And God, in a, in a world that would sap us of our energy and try to rob us of our faith, we come together this Sunday morning to encourage each other, and to remind ourselves of who you are, and to hear your word that gives us life. Help us to hear what you want to say to us, Father, we pray. Amen. 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 So when we came to the United States in 1991, of course, everything was different. In fact, it was quite an eye-opener that um, I've been here a number of times before, but it was always like the thought of, well, you know, the United Kingdom, United States, very similar. No, they're not. No, not remotely. And, and one of the things that I was fascinated by was some of the TV shows that were totally different I'd never seen before. And I got into watching the, now I forget how much they gave away. Was it the $10,000 pyramid back then? It, it might have, right? Inflation has brought it up. I think there's a modern one now with Michael Strahan, isn't there? But, but, but I remember, I, I, saw, I thought, wow, this is, this is fascinating. And for a while, I used to watch it regularly. Some of you know how that game goes, you know? And they've got to get their, their, their partner to, to know what category of things they're talking about just by naming different things. So, so, so here we go. Here we go. $100,000 pyramid here at Genesis today. All right? All right. What, what, what do these things have in common? All right? Don't shout out the answers. I'll tell you at the end. What do these things have in common? Do what makes you happy. You get what you deserve. You won't have bad days. Some things you can't forgive. And the category is things that Jesus never said. That's the category. Things that Jesus never said. It is absolutely amazing to me how often people have got things absolutely upside down and they'll blame Jesus for having said it in the first place. It is amazing, absolutely amazing. But that's not new to the 21st century. That same kind of thing was happening back in Jesus' day. Now, we've been looking at a series called Countercultural Christ. And we've looked at a number of the things Jesus said that were totally against the flow of the teaching at that time and, and modern thought in Jesus' time. And we looked at a couple of the statements Jesus made in Matthew chapter 5, where he went totally counter what the Pharisees, the teachers of the day, said. And today, take a look at this one. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You have heard it was said, he said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the statement. Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. And yes, it was. It's in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Then last week, we looked at Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And yes, we know where it was said, Exodus chapter 20 in the, in the Ten Commandments. And now he says, you've heard it said, 
love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And we know that it was said, no, it's not. It's not. It's not in Exodus 20. It's not in the Ten Commandments. You know who said that? Nobody. Nobody said that. But that was the common thought and the common teaching in Jesus' time. The religious leaders still taught. They taught that loving your neighbor meant fellow Israelites. And your enemies was everybody who was not Jewish. In fact, they referred to people who were not Jewish, Gentile people, they referred to them as Gentile dogs. So it's real simple. Love your Jewish fellow man and hate everybody else. It's fine. Take care of yourselves and the heck with the rest of them. And that's what they said and that's what they taught and that's how they said that it really ought to be. And, and you know what? Jesus then comes on the scene and says, hey, you've heard this said, but um, it doesn't say that at all. And one of the things we've all got to be very, very careful about is this. We've got to be careful that what we're listening to is not the thoughts of some person with an agenda, but it really is the Word of God. And you've got to be more and more careful about that in the 21st century. I mean, there was a period when I started pastoring, the only preaching anybody in my church heard was from me. I mean, it's a miracle there in heaven today. But you, you know what? They, they, didn't go, they didn't go out of church and, and, and kind of tune in, tune in on, on their phones and, and, and then, uh, you know, be able to listen to whoever, this one, that one, the other one. They, they didn't go online and hear sermons. They didn't hear clips from sermons on, 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 on Twitter or whatever else. It wasn't it. It was like, you know, you went to church, you heard the pastor, and that was it. Nowadays, you can hear preaching from all over the place. And I want to tell you this. Be careful. Just be selective. Hey, and when you're sitting listening to me, be selective too, because I'm human. Jesus said, you've heard him saying all this, but it's not there. there there's, there's an interesting verse in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, and here's what it says. I love modern translations. This is the living Bible. Check these witches' words against the Word of God, he says. If their messages are different than mine, it's because I have not sent them, for they have no light or truth in them. God says, check what they're saying against what I say, and if what they're saying does not agree with what I say, here's the bottom line, I'm right. That's what God says. And I, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm good with that, are you? It's like when it comes down to it, it's like what God says is what matters and what God says is what really counts. And we need to be, we need to be living fully aware of what Jesus actually said in any given situation. I mentioned a few weeks ago that, um, you know, it was a big thing at one time to wear a bracelet or whatever that said, uh, WWJD, what, what would Jesus do? And I said, what we really ought to do, perhaps, is have a bracelet that's got WDJS. What did Jesus say? 
and remind ourselves sometimes, what did Jesus say? Well, look at that. Would you believe it? A couple here in our church family got a hold of that idea. They, they contacted me, said, we're prepared to do that. And uh, as you leave today, if you want to pick one up in a basket at the front desk, you can have a wristband. Our, my thanks, my thanks to those folks. And they're in pink and blue, depends how you are. I'm totally secure in my masculinities. And, and I like the color pink, so I'm good. I'm done with pink, like that's good. But it says WDJS on one side, and then the other side says, what did Jesus say? It might be good to wear it to work tomorrow when the boss gives you a hard time and you're sorely tempted to give her a piece of your mind as you, as, as, as you kind of lift up your hand, you say, what did Jesus say? Ah, shoot. But a good thing for us just to ask ourselves and remind ourselves from time to time, what did, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you've heard them say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44 of Matthew 5. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow, going to be a tough pill to swallow for some of you this morning. Really, really, because there might be issues that are, that, are, that are serious issues that you might need to start to readjust your thinking and be looking at what did Jesus say. I was talking to a good friend of mine a while ago, and uh, he, he had been through an ugly divorce. And uh, ongoing for months and years after that, it was, it was awful. And uh, he said, I suddenly came to this realization that what I needed to do was be more positive and more open and more caring in my approach to my ex. And he said, after some time, you would be amazed how that changed the whole atmosphere. He said, I still don't like her. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. That's fine, still don't like her. But he said, I do the right thing all of the time that I can. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, here's, here, here's what you do. With, here, here's what you do. You, you don't hate your enemies. Here's what you do. You bless those who curse you, you do good to those who hate you, and you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, right? Jesus laid out a three-point sermon for me this morning. Bless them, do good to them, pray for them. So what do you do with the people who've hurt you, with the people who've caused you great pain? What do you do for the people who seem to be kind of just set against you? Three simple things. You bless, you do good, and you pray. You may say, well, that, yeah, that's easy for you. You don't know. Excuse me, read the bracelet. <laughs> not my idea. Not my idea. I'm not giving you my best ideas on how to approach difficult situations. I'm telling you what Jesus said. Bless them. Bless them. Speak the kind of words that are positive. A couple of weeks ago, we, 
reminded ourselves of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, where it says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So how do you speak to the person? Well, inside of you, it might be, I'd really like to hurt them. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. Let me just say this. The words that we use are not only sometimes poison to other people, but the fact that we use them makes them poison to us. And when we speak life-giving words to others, you know what's happening? Life is coming back to us. How do you turn a situation around? You bless. You speak positive things. I didn't say tell lies, but you speak positive things and in a positive way to those you might look upon as being enemies. All right, you good with that part? All right, let's make it harder. <laughs> then he says, you do good to them. Bless them. Do good to them. I'm going to read you a couple of really hard verses from Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law into your own hands. Instead, feed your enemy if he is hungry. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And you will be heaping coals of fire on his head. In other words, he will feel ashamed of himself for what he has done to you. How do you deal with your enemies? Two things Jesus said. Number one, don't take revenge. Leave that to me. Let God deal with things. Let God sort things out. Now, once again, can I just remind you, because you might say, well, well that's okay, but I need, to, I, 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 I need to put things straight, and I need to justify myself, and... and Not telling you my best ideas, folks. <laughs> I'm not. I'm telling you what Jesus said. And what Jesus said is bound to work because he knows what he's talking about. Do good. Hey, a lot of you heard me tell this story, but I'll tell it again. Just look interested, all right? So, I, I, you know, there, there was a Sunday here a few years ago, and uh, when, we, when we took on this building, um, there are actually 130 parking spots r right around the building, and they're all available to us on a Sunday, but we realized that those might not be enough, and so the, the owner of the building said, but I own the building across the street, and there's no cars there on a Sunday. Your folks can park there. I own the building two to the other side of Bobcat, two, two buildings down, and they could park there if they wanted. And um, so we used to, some of us used to park across the street, where those of us here early to help to get things started to, 
free up space in the main parking lot. And, uh, but then there were some new folks who moved in across the street. And uh, they put up signs that said, no parking, you will be towed. It's like, oh, okay. And, uh, and, and one week, Jill, Jill arrived at church, and, and some, she was uh, outside here, and someone said, you want me to park your car for you? And uh, she said, yeah, we parked it across the street. So he parked it across the street. And then towards the end of service, I saw a little bit of a commotion over in that back corner, and I found out after service what had happened was the tow truck had come, and Jill's car had been loaded onto the tow truck. Right? And although, although um, we went out to, uh, someone went out to, to tell the guy, hey, it's okay, leave it, we're here, my car, uh, we'll take care of it. Uh, we still had to pay 200 and some dollars for the tow truck driver to put it back, back down on the street. It's like, wow. I was angry. I was really annoyed. I totally wanted to give whatever they do across the road, the business owner, I really wanted to give him a piece of my mind and not the good piece. <laughs> right? That was, that was just, I was stewing with it. I really was. But I figured, you know, let's leave it for today, Sunday. But on Monday, you know what I did on Monday? <laughs> now, it's good. It's not that. It's not that. You know what I did on Monday? If you go a block further over from us, there's a great pizzeria there. I went to the pizzeria. I don't know how many people work across the road. I've got no idea. I went to the pizzeria. I, I, I bought four pies. And I went to the business here. I went to their door. They've got a lock system. You've got to be buzzed in. I went to the door, and just one person came to the door. And she came to the door. I said, I don't think we've met. I'm the pastor from the church across the street. I understand there was a problem with a car here yesterday. It was my wife's car. But anyway... I just wanted to say welcome to the community and have lunch on us today. And I gave her four pizzas. And I felt better, I felt better after that than I would have done if I'd gone there and told them what I thought about what they did to us. See, words kill or words give life, but it's not just that words can kill the other person, words can kill you too. So what Jesus said here is you bless them, and then he said, do good to them. Do good to the people that are, you might describe as your enemies. Look for an opportunity just to do something for them. Really, Roger? I have no sermon today, just read my wrist. <laughs> and then the third thing Jesus says, all right, think it's tough already? Here we go. Pray for them. Pray for them. And not God fix them. <laughs> Pray for them. You, you, you know what, you know, I think for a lot of us, you know, one of the Bible stories kind of I grew up with and remember from my childhood is, is, is the, the story of Jonah, right? Jonah, Jonah and the whale. And, and, and the whole thing with Jonah is that Jonah, 
was sent by God or told by God to go to Nineveh, uh, which was the capital of Assyria, and the Assyrians were the enemies of Israel. But God said, Nineveh is in such an awful state that I'm going to destroy it unless they repent. I want you to go and preach to them. And Jonah's thought is, no, I want them to be destroyed. That's the bottom line of the book of Jonah. So instead of going to Assyria, he gets in a boat going in the clean opposite direction. Literally, 180 degrees. It was headed for Spain. He's like, no, not going there. I'm going to go down here. And that's when God stopped things and he ends up being swallowed by the whale, being spewed up by the whale on the shore in Assyria and off to Nineveh. And then he preaches to the people in Nineveh. And you know what happens? Darn, they repented. <laughs> that really wasn't what he wanted. He wanted God to zap them. But he preached and they repented, and Nineveh was, and Jonah was just totally ticked off. And he's sitting just after this. He's sitting somewhere in a shaded spot on a sunny day. And he's sitting underneath this vine, and a worm starts to eat away at the vine so that actually he loses his shade. And, and, and as he's taking a nap there, he wakes up, and he's been burned by the sun. And, and now he's angry with this worm and with the vine and with the world in general. And God says this to him in, in Jonah 4. It, it says, Then the Lord said, You feel sorry for yourself when your shelter is destroyed, though you did no work to put it there. And why shouldn't I feel sorry for a great city like Nineveh with its 120,000 people in utter spiritual darkness? God still cared about Nineveh. Okay, here's a tough pill to swallow. Your enemy is still someone God cares about. Amen. Your enemy is still someone that Jesus died for. So here's what Jesus says. Pray for them. Pray for them. Do good. Bless them. Pray for them. Then here's what he goes, Jesus goes on to say in verse 45 of Matthew 5. In that way you will be acting as true sons of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust too. You'll be acting like your Father because he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Here's the bottom line there. God does not deal with people based on who they are and what they do. God's attitudes and actions are based on who He is and how He is. I'll say that again because it's good. God does not deal with people based on who they are and what they do. Right? He sends rain on just and the unjust. His attitudes and actions are based on who He is and how He is. And so Jesus encourages us here and says, so act like true children of your heavenly Father. Don't allow your actions and attitudes to be dictated by other people's 
actions towards you, by what they think of us, by what they do to us. Let's let our actions and attitudes be governed instead by who we are, not who they are. Because that's how God is. We need to live proactively, not reactively. What kind of person am I? I'm a person who blesses others. I'm a person who does good to others. I'm a person who prays for others. Whether they deserve it or don't deserve it, we bless them, we do good to them, we pray for them. Our actions are not dictated by how they are. Our actions are dictated by who we are. And who we are is we are the children of our Father in heaven who blesses the just and the unjust. Hey, we all learned a long time ago that, you know, the thought that if you're nice to people, people will be nice to you doesn't work. I mean, it does often, but it doesn't always work. That, that's not the motivation. Our motivation is we do good to people because that's how we are. Because I want to be like my father, or, or, or more than that, or, or it's because the Jesus in me makes me want to be good to others. And the bottom line is we do need Christ in us to enable us to live out his commands here. So, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. It's, it's good to hear something in church on a Sunday and say amen. But there comes the point, and it seems to be coming very rapidly looking at the clock just now, but there comes the point where we leave church. And then we're back to the reality of our everyday lives. And that's why we need to remind ourselves that church is not just about a service on Sunday mornings. It's about what happens when the service is over. It's about what we do, how we speak, how we are out there in the rest of the world. It's what happens when we leave here that really counts. That's why I was impressed looking at what happened when Jesus finished this teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the hillside. Jesus had just spent what, what, what amounts in our Bibles to three full chapters of inspiring, challenging, teaching with a big crowd of people. But now he comes down from the mountain, so now it's a case of what's next. And the fact is for you and I, it's how our faith impacts our lives that indicates if it's a real genuine faith or simply a religious cloak that we're living under. So Jesus 
comes down from the mountain there, and he's been talking to them about a bunch of other things, including how you act to the, with those who are not like you, to those who are separate from you, to those that some might describe as your enemies. And it says he came down, and in Luke 8, verse 2, it says, look, a leper is approaching. He kneels before him worshiping. Sir, the leper pleads, if you want to, you can heal me. Now, in Jesus' time, leprosy or Hansen's disease was a, was a common and untreatable disease. Today, thankfully, it's rare and it's totally treatable with early detection. But then the victims' bodies would get covered in ulcers that ate their flesh away. They would literally have limbs that dropped off. Their throats would fill with painful ulcers that made it difficult for them to speak or to eat, and ultimately, they would die. And what happened in Jesus' time was a diagnosis of leprosy meant that a person would immediately be banished from their home and their community, and they, 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 were, they were evicted from their towns or their villages and would have to find a place somewhere outside and spend the rest of their days living in isolation. If for any reason they were remotely near to people, they had to shout unclean all the time to warn people that they were around. And they must never come within six feet of anybody else. That bit sounds familiar. <laughs> In fact, I, I was reading that there was a rabbi who, who would not even eat an egg that was bought on a street that a leper had walked down. Another rabbi boasted that he regularly threw rocks at lepers to keep them away. Or, or other rabbis would simply hide and run at the sight of a leper in the distance. That was how the rabbis reacted. They were enemies to be avoided, people with leprosy. But then here's Jesus comes down the hillside, and this unnamed man comes right up to him, and he kneels in front of him. I was reading a commentary by the Scottish writer William Barclay. I'm a big fan of his work. And here's what Barclay said. I love this statement. No man need ever feel himself too unclean to come to Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that a great statement? Great statement. Nobody needs ever feel too unclean to come to Jesus Christ. I, and, and, and I want to tell you, you may be watching us today or you may be worshiping with us today and you may say, you know what, I, I don't know if this is my scene really. Um, you know, you don't know where I'm from or what my background is or what I'm into. And I just want to remind you, there's nobody that's too unclean to come to Jesus Christ. Amen. Nobody. So this man comes and he kneels in front of Jesus. And remember what Jesus had just been saying to those people that you look upon as being different and, and, and enemies and you don't want to get close to. Jesus said, here's what you do. You bless them, you do good to them, and you pray for them. The man said to Jesus, if you want to, you can make me, you can heal me. He knew Jesus could heal him. But he didn't know whether Jesus would want to because nobody wanted anything to do with him. And then Matthew chapter 8 verse 3 tells us this. 
Jesus touches the man. I want to, he says, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy left him. Nobody touched a leper. Nobody went near a leper. But Jesus touches the man. He did the unthinkable. We don't know the true state of the most difficult, the most damaging, the most obnoxious people in our lives. We don't truly know what they might have been battling or where they're coming from. So you know what we do? We don't react to their negativity. We act like who we are. We are the children of God. So we bless, we do good, and we pray. Jesus said, you've heard, you, you, you've, you've heard it said, you know, you love your friends and you hate your enemies. That's how this world functions. Jesus did not operate the way the world operated and still doesn't. He was the counter-cultural Christ. He still is the counter-cultural Christ. And for you and I who are followers of Jesus today, then we will act like Jesus acted, not like this world acts. Love your friends, hate your enemies might be the way the world operates. Jesus said, here's what you do. I want you to love your enemies. And here's the way you do it. You bless them. You do good to them. You pray for them. Now, in all seriousness, that might be a real difficult thing for some of you to get your heads around this morning because you've been through some very difficult things in your life. So I want us to take a moment to pray together. And as we pray together, I want to encourage you to respond to what Jesus did say. Say, Lord, with your help and with your grace, I want to bless. I want to do good. I want to pray for my enemies. Because the bottom line is, whatever it might do for your enemies, it's going to do you even more good. Bless. Do good. Father, we thank you today that there's nobody that's outside of your reach and nobody for whom you do not have a welcome. Father, we thank you. You, 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 you bless the just and the unjust. You, you love everyone. God, that becomes so difficult for us at times and in some specific situations. And so we ask for your help. 
We ask God, will you give us the strength? God, will you give us the resolve? God, will you remind us of how you are so that we might reflect you, our Father in heaven? Amen. 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 And if you